Uh, welcome to Oasis. I just, I want to say thank you for being here tonight, for choosing to worship with us, for choosing to desire to grow in your faith, for some of you maybe, um, for choosing to let your friend drag you here. Uh, I thank you, and I appreciate you all, and I love you all. Uh, I'm excited. We're in the, we're in the second week of our identity series called Real Me. Uh, Real Me more than Insta. Just still love that subtitle. It's the best thing ever. I'm too old to think of stuff like that. <clears throat> and what we're trying to do is pursue an understanding of what it means to live out and actually just understand in general our identity. And so two week, last week we had a prayer and worship night. It was awesome. God, God moved. It was incredible. Two weeks ago when we started the series, I ran around this thing called the Identity Circle. And we're going to have a picture that's going to hopefully pop up, maybe. Maybe not. We'll see. Um, but the, the idea for the night was we end up living out who we believe we are. We end up living out who we believe we are. They're all beautiful. And so went through the circle, this idea of, okay, once I have this identity, this idea of who I think I am, or potentially who I believe I am, from that identity come these tendencies. And then from those tendencies, obviously, then relate to actions. And from those actions, every action that we have has a consequence. And then all of a sudden, from that consequence is just our reality. Gave this example of a, I mean, you could, for myself, a husband. So if my identity is in being a husband, I believe that's who I am. And so I think through, okay, what does it mean to be a husband and a good husband to my wife? Well, a husband loves his wife, not only tells her, but, but shows her. A husband is one who provides for, for her and protects uh, in ways where he needs to. And so those are the tendencies, and I started thinking through that and potentially reading books and listening to sermons and uh, listening to podcasts. And then from those tendencies came actions. Well, I started to tell my wife I love her and show her that I love her. And then from those actions were consequences, being like, we, if I do those things well, we have a good marriage. If I don't do those things well, the marriage is unhealthy. And then the reality is, okay, marriage is good. Things are going well. I am a husband, either good and or bad. It's not always positive. Sometimes it's negative. I give the example of being a C student. So I just, I'm a C student. That's what I am. Doesn't matter anything that I do. I'm a C student. That's who I believe I am. And so C students tend to have certain tendencies that lead to certain actions, which have specific consequences. And those tendencies being, well, maybe I like to watch Netflix during finals week and I don't always do my homework. The consequence of that when I have to take the test and I'm ready to take that test, I'm not fully ready. And then I get the test back and the reality is I'm a C student. I told you all along I knew I was a C student. And we don't, what we don't realize is we live out who we believe we are. And if we can have an understanding of who we truly are, I think it has the potential to change not only how we experience life, but how we can actually experience the fullness of life and the life that God has for us. And so for this week, we're going to enter into the simple idea that identity is not something that is achieved. Identity is something that is received. If you look back in the history of time, identity is like the one moral absolute that we have in this world. Identity even, and what I mean by that is this idea of just, just be who you are. Just be who you are. The problem with that is that I think a lot of the time we don't know who we are and we get a lot of different voices telling us who we think we should be. And so if you look back again in the history of time, in, in ancient cultures, 
and even in Eastern cultures, this idea of identity, of identity came from having a role within a community and then what can I do to sacrifice potential certain passions and desires that I have to fulfill that role within this community. So if I'm a son, that means in this community, in ancient times, I'm going to sacrifice what I potentially want to do and I'm going to be a good son and then I go achieve being a good son. And we hear a lot of time, I think even with these and some certain cultures where if I'm not living up to and achieving that identity and sacrificing potentially what I want to do. And if I don't live up to the expectations of family, there's shame and there's dishonor. And then we have our modern culture, which is almost the exact opposite. Culture now tells us to look deep inside yourself, your dreams and your passions and your wants and your desires Allow those to be and define who you are and then go achieve them despite what anybody else thinks, despite what anybody else says. And then there's this weird potential dilemma when it comes to that. And why this is so important to understand where we get our identity and how we go about defining our identity is because within us we have a need of worth. Tim Keller puts it this way, our need for worth is so powerful that whatever we base our identity and value on, we essentially deify or make a God. We will look to it with all the passion and intensity of worship and devotion. God had created us as people who needed to be in relationship with him. And once that relationship was destroyed because of sin, we've done whatever we can since the beginning of when sin entered the world to try to fill a gap that was left because of sin, something that was missing. And so we try to define who we are and what modern culture tells us today is to look in your dreams and your passions, your desires, and define yourself. So in ancient culture, what we have is identity is based off of self-sacrifice. I'm a part of a community and I'm going to enter into just my self-evident role of son, father, worker, wife, daughter. Where in modern culture, identity is based on self-assertion. I'm going to look into myself, what are my dreams and my passions, and I'm going to do whatever I can to achieve them. And it's all over. Culture is pushing that. My kids love the movie Frozen. Is there any Frozen fans here? Three of us, all right. All three of us. And so, and, and we were just actually in the car today, and I knew I was going to bring up this example, and I talked to Jaina about it, and I, and I asked her if I should sing the falsetto of the, of the classic Let It Go song, but it would be terrible, so I'm not going to do it. And so I was driving with my kids in my car, and, and my daughter likes to sing, I don't even know, it's this old, old country town road thingy song. It's not funny. Don't tell her it's Okay. And she just starts singing about horse. I'm like, baby, I don't know what you're saying. Can you please sing another song? And she goes, the Jesus one? I go, yes, you can sing the Jesus one. And so she sings a song called Love is a Name that's beautiful and awesome and lifts up the name of Jesus. And she'll get two words in and she'll stop. She goes, no, I want to sing Frozen. I go, okay, you can sing Frozen. She goes, and she's going, let it go, let it go. And that's how she sings it. And it's perfect and it's beautiful because she has no idea what the words are. She just knows the let it go. And as I was thinking about this, what we don't realize and understand is actually all over culture, 
They're giving us this, they're, they're pushing us and telling us, be who you are, look into yourself, define your own identity. I'm going to read the lyrics of this, and I think it's really funny. I, I like, I'm, a, I'm a dad of a daughter, so I like Frozen. I'm not saying you can't like Frozen. I just need to, I need to say that. Elsa sings, let it go, let it go. Can't hold it back anymore. Let it go, let it go. Turn away and slam the door. I don't care what they're going to say. Let the storm rage on. The cold never bothered me anyway. The point here is that the cultural narrative is so incredibly strong when it tells us that identity is about self-assertion. Also, was struggling, keeping things in, right? Conceal, don't feel. Let it go. I'm not going to care about the consequences of what that looks like for the people around me. You created an eternal winner. And if you hadn't seen the movie, I'm not going to spoil it for you. You want to, there you go. Jacob, can you turn that off for me, please? Thanks, buddy. You're all right. Okay, so my point here is, again, cultural narrative is incredibly strong. And the problem is, once we have this idea that I'm looking at myself, I'm seeing my dreams, and I'm seeing my passions, and I'm recognizing my desires, it's not just enough that culture tells us to think those things, recognize what you feel, try to define who you are within whatever is going on in your soul, but then go and achieve that thing. Go and achieve it. And the big problem that we come up with when trying to figure out who we are and our identity is identity is something, we believe the lie that identity is something that can be achieved and not received. We believe the lie that identity can be achieved and not received. And I'm going to explain hopefully well why this is so important. We work to achieve, and work can be good, but today in our culture, your work becomes your identity. Achievement, or even lack thereof, can become who we are. And so all of a sudden, I have this understanding within myself of I want to be this. Perfect example, I, I think. Especially when you guys, most of you I think are in college. We are the college young adult ministry of Grace Point Church. You're coming to college, and a lot of the time, you get to college, and you have to figure out, okay, and I don't think you potentially, or we potentially define this and say this out loud, but it's like, oh, I'm finally independent. I'm away from home. Who am I? <laughs> We're all searching to be able to answer that question. And so we have different experiences, and we're going through school, and we're going through class, and there's different relationships that we have. I have a passion in my heart to want this certain career or job, so that's the major that I go after. And I believe that if I can just achieve and get to this point, Life is going to be good. I'm going to be okay. The problem with that is true identity needs to be something that can't be lost. True identity needs to be something and is something that cannot be lost. My wife, who is an incredible, amazing uh, just mother and wife, and physician assistant, and all these things, and, and follower of Jesus, had this identity crisis a couple of years ago. We got married in 2010. We moved to Minneapolis to help plan a church in 2011. And in the midst of planning the church, she got accepted into graduate school in the cities, and she's doing school. And so we end up, I end up getting a job in, at Watertown uh, at, at a church called Cornerstone. And in the midst of 
Abby finishing school during actually her finals week, her last finals week of grad school. She has our, our son. She's, she's Wonder Woman to be able to take a test after just having her. Like, I think she breastfed, like, and then two minutes later went and took a test and came back and had to feed the child again. She's an incredible, incredible woman. But I was here whispering something's happening within you guys. <laughs> hey, children need to be breastfed. That's not a weird thing. But she's this incredible thing, and all of a sudden, she has, she's sitting at home with her kid. She's not a student anymore after being a student for 23 years. And she's sitting at home with her newborn baby. She's waiting three months. She's on maternity leave, and she's going to start her job. And she has this identity crisis because she doesn't know who she is. Because for 20, almost 23 years, she'd been a student. Everything she knew was go to class, take notes, study, take a test, have a summer break, do it again. Go to class. Take. It's what she knew. She had put her identity in being a student. She was confident and comfortable in just being a student. And all of a sudden, when she wasn't in school anymore, she didn't really know who she was. Yes, she had the role and the title of, hus- of wife and of mom and of graduate student professional PA but she had never stopped and allowed herself to really have even God speak into who she was as a person. And we went for the next like six months to a year going through figuring out identity, figuring out why she struggled so much not being a student anymore, why she even struggled living, trying to be a mom and a wife, a worker, and following Jesus. For so many years of her life, she allowed her identity to be something that was achieved in finishing school. And once it was done, she didn't know who she was. What are you trying to achieve? What are you going after? How would you define yourself right now? And it's not in a title, in a role, Identity is something that is in the core of myself, this understanding of who I am, and not just an understanding of who I am, but am I okay with that? And I think a lot of the time, what we do with our identity is we put titles and roles, and we actually don't look into, in the core of who I am, how would I define myself? In the core of who I am, do I understand myself? Do I know who I am. And it doesn't just happen in culture and in school and in homes. It happens in the church. We get this idea and, and this, there's a confusion around identity and relationship with the Father. I think a lot of Christians struggle with this idea of having to go to church or having to pray, and then when I don't do those things, I'm, I feel guilty and shameful, and I'm not doing the things I think I or know that God wants me to do, and therefore, I'm a bad Christian. How could God love me? And then we end up doing these things and going to church and being a part of a small group and being in community like this to try to earn God's favor and love. And what we're doing is we're trying to achieve an identity that is not what God desired for us. And not only does it happen in church, we can read in Scripture of it happening to people. Philippians 3, I'm going to read. And Paul, who is this 
incredible man of God who had this incredible moment on the road to Damascus where Jesus intervened and revealed to him the things that he was doing by persecuting and killing Christians were wrong and, and, and Jesus changed his life because he met Jesus on the road. But before Paul met Jesus on the road, Paul was having an identity within himself that he was achieving and that he didn't allow to receive from the Father. So we're going to read from Philippians 3. I'm going to start in verse 3, and we're going to go to verse 6. So if you have your Bible, please open up. If you have your phone, open up the app. Verse 3 says this, For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his Spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law and faultless. Paul was a Pharisee. He was a Jewish man. He was one who did everything in his power and in his might to follow the law of God. And the law of God are the first five books of our Bible, the Old Testament. They're the books that Moses wrote. And what Paul was doing, and I think what a lot of even Jewish people were doing, and leaders of the law, and what a lot of Christians are do today, is they try to do what they can to follow the rules that they believe God has told them to be able to be okay with God. He was circumcised on the eighth day, which every male was circumcised as a Jew, being, being entering in to the family of God as an Israelite. A Hebrew of Hebrews, his parents were both Hebrew. So he's a full-blood Hebrew. He's into the family of God. No one can take that away from him. He was a Pharisee, and not just a Pharisee, he followed the letter of the law perfectly. No one could point out anything within him that was wrong. As for zeal, which means passion, he had more than anyone as he persecuted the church, killing Christians because he thought they were wrong. You see, Paul found his identity in his obedience. He recognized that the Father God had given these certain laws. And so these certain rules and these certain laws, Paul was obedient to. And then from his obedience flowed his own identity. Everything that Paul was, was wrapped up in what he could achieve and what he could do and what he thought was right. And all of a sudden, as he's on the road to Damascus going to persecute more Christians, Jesus intervenes and changes his life and says, what you've been doing doesn't matter because I didn't make the law and God didn't give the law for you to be able to follow it perfectly and be okay. He gave us the law, which is good, to help us recognize our need for a Savior. And in the midst of Paul being quote-unquote perfect, following the letter of the law and being zealous and persecuting the church because he thought they were wrong. He was blind. He blinded himself to the reality and truth that Jesus was the coming Messiah that he read about in, in the Old Testament in, in his scriptures. The coming king that was coming to save the world. He blinded himself in the midst of trying to achieve an identity. He blinded himself to the truth of who Jesus was. We read on in Philippians 3 says this, 
But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. In being blinded, and blinding himself to the reality of who Jesus was, to trying to achieve an identity that was ultimately going to leave him hopeless and lost. Jesus intervenes and reveals to him the truth of who he was, and he says, all the things that I've done that were perfect and right according to myself and the pharisaical law and people around me, I consider garbage now compared to knowing who Jesus is. And then he actually goes on to say a couple verses later, actually, you know what? I want to know Jesus and the power of his resurrection because nothing compares to knowing Jesus. And this is why. There was a moment after Paul encountered Christ on the road to Damascus. And there were moments as he met with disciples and as he taught and was, was getting taught and as he was learning and receiving the teachings of Jesus, as he was being discipled, there was a moment where something clicked for him, where now identity didn't matter about what he could achieve and what he could do and all these lists of things that on paper looked really good for someone who was Jewish. But he moved into the reality that identity is received. And he knew it was received because as he listened to the disciples' teachings and the teachings of Jesus, it became clear and clear. If you have your scripture, open up to Matthew 3. This is what I want. If nothing else happens in the next month, while you're here or the past however many weeks of anything that I've said or we've sung or what Brennan has said and prayed, I'm asking now that you would Ask God to open your heart and to receive this truth that I'm about to teach. Because I think this truth, the reality that identity is received, is the most important thing that we could get or understand. Because if we understand fully that our identity is received, that it's not about what I can do to achieve defining who I am, but it's about who God says I am, it'll change your life. Because then it won't matter the roles that I have of pastor or husband or father, or friend, or son. It won't matter what happens in those roles. If everything literally goes to hell in those roles, I'm still who God says I am. And no matter what life throws at me, no matter what the enemy throws at me, I'm okay because I am still who God says I am. Matthew 3. Before Jesus starts his ministry, before he does any healings, before he does any good works, before he does any teachings, we see this story of Jesus' baptism. And he comes to John the Baptist. John the Baptist, who had come preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Repent for there is one who is coming to redeem and to save the entire world. And in Matthew 3.13, it says this. 
Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and yet you come to me. Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. And as soon as Jesus was baptized, he came up out of the water, and at that moment, heaven was opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and aligning on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my Son, whom I love With him, I am well pleased. Before Jesus does any ministry, no teachings, no healings, he gets baptized and the father bestows an identity on him saying, you are my son and I am pleased with you. And from the rest of the time that Jesus was alive, the ministry they did up until his death and resurrection, All the things he did, he was obedient, and the obedience flowed from who God said he was. Because no matter what happened in Jesus' life, he knew where he stood with the Father. And as we have said yes to Jesus, the same thing that God says to Jesus about him being his child is true for each and every one of us. Because of what Jesus has done on the cross, because he was raised to life, he is King, Messiah, Savior, and Lord. He is God. As we've given our life to him, surrendered to him, what the Father says and what Scripture tells us is that we've been adopted into the family of God and now we are all his children. The NLT in this this passage, the NLT, NLT version says, this is my son who brings me great joy. This is my son who brings me great joy. What's true for Jesus, being God's son, is true for us, that we are his children. When God looks at you, when God sees you, his face lights up because you bring him great joy. You bring God great joy. If we said yes to Jesus, surrendered our lives to him. What God says in scripture about who he is, is true for us. And then once we understand this truth that identity is received and not achieved, no matter what else happens in life, we're good. Because God has joyfully accepted us in Christ. God has joyfully accepted you in Christ. And nothing ever can change that fact. And what's incredible about that, if we understand this truth that my identity is received, I no longer have to define who I am by trying to achieve certain things and go after certain roles and dreams or passions, but I am who God says I am as his son and the passions and dreams that I have, I can now pursue, but they don't have to define me. And actually, as we've surrendered our lives to Jesus, and as we live out who God says we are are as his children, it takes the pressure off of not ever, ever having to wonder and ask the question, who am I? It takes the pressure off that can lead to the suffocating, debilitating pressure 
of trying to figure out who we are and what we're supposed to do. And then from that identity flows obedience. And this is obedience to the things that Jesus has commanded us in Scripture. And why we know that we don't have to do these things to earn God's love and favor and to be a part of his family, but we actually have been set free to do the things that God has asked for us. Galatians 5.1 says this, and this is the NLT version. It says, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in the slavery to the law. He said, it is for freedom that you have been set free and you've been set free that now you can be obedient to the things God's asking of you because you already know where you stand with him. You are a child of his and that will never change. God has joyfully accepted you in Christ, period. I'm gonna invite the team up and we're gonna enter into a little prayer time. We're gonna enter into some more worship and song. But I want you to, if, if you can, just look at this. In the midst of your relationship with God, are you trying to achieve something in your relationship with him through religious acts that can't be achieved? Wrestle with yourself and, and ask yourself these questions. Why do you do the things you do when it comes to your relationship with God? Is there a pressure or a shame that is within you? Feeling like you have to be here. And then when you don't, there is the shame that is debilitating. If that's true for you, there is hope and freedom. Because God says, no, because what Jesus has done for you, you are mine now. I joyfully accept you as my son or my daughter. And now everything else can flow from that. Do you know who you are? Do you believe that identity is something that cannot be achieved? Because if it's something that can be achieved, it can be lost. But identity is something that is received from the Father. And if we can fully accept those truths, if we can enter into the reality that we are and I'll believe who God says I am. I'm telling you, whatever happens in life, not that it won't hurt or be painful or frustrating or make you angry, but whatever comes, you can believe and know that you have a father who's for you. You have a father in heaven who's adopted you into, your, in, into his family who joyfully accepts you. But in the midst of that, being joyfully accepted is your obedience something that is frustrating for you right now? Is it hard for you right now to be obedient? Is it hard for you right now to live up into everything that God says you are as his son or his daughter? Because here's the reality. True obedience is simply acting in a way that is consistent with our identity. True obedience is simply acting in a way that is consistent with our identity. Know that you're joyfully accepted. Receive the truth that you are his son or his daughter. We're going to do something next week that I am, I am very, very excited about. 
we're going to have these cards that we're going to give you guys that you can take home that lists all the different things of who God says you are now that you are in Christ. And as we go through the night, we're going to have simple songs and sentences and statements and, and, and a little devotion here or there about who God says you are. And we're going to define those, those things and we're going to state them and we're going to worship. And we're going to rest in the reality and the truth of who God says we are. And not to worry about the identities that we've been believing. The things that are not true about us. We're not going to worry about having to achieve the certain identity by defining who we are by the things that we do. We're going to rest in the reality and truth that we are who God says we are. Let's close our hands. Let's, or close our eyes and let's pray together. If you want a book, by the way, on identity, um, Henry Nouwen's Here and Now, Living in the Spirit is a really good book. And he has this quote. It says this, Jesus came to announce to us that an identity based on success, popularity, and power is a false identity, an illusion. Loud and clearly, he says, you are not what the world makes you. You are a child of God. Father, thank you that we can rest in the truth and the reality that we are your children. That in Christ, nothing can change the fact that we are joyfully accepted by you as your sons and daughters. And so even right now with our passions and our dreams, the desires that we have in our heart, encourage us in those things to pursue the things that you've put within us. But help us understand and know they don't define us. You define us. You give us identity. So God, as a whole, we receive. We are your children. We receive that the reality that we bring you great joy because we are yours. As you pray for a little bit, accept and receive that you are his children. And that now the things that he's asking you to do, the things that you know that he's commanded us to do, Know that you've been empowered by the Spirit, that you've been set free to live out who God says you are.